Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators, a podcast for translators by translators, bringing you simple strategies to build better habits and improve your business and lifestyle. We're your hosts, Madalena sanchez Ampalo and Veronica de Michelis. Like you, we are professional translators striving to balance the challenges that come with building a career and maintaining clarity and boundaries between work and personal life. Welcome to Smart Habits for Translators. This is episode 82. We're very excited to introduce the topic of this episode and our guests. We think our listeners based outside the U.S. will find it particularly interesting. But of course, the tips we're about to hear will be helpful no matter where you are based and what language combination you work in. We often mention the importance of building and maintaining your professional network on the podcast. And I'm sure you've heard this advice many times before. But what does it mean in practice? And how do you do it when you work in a less common language pair. I think we're about to hear some great advice from our guests today. We'd like to welcome our colleagues, Alicia Tokarska and Anya Marchiak, to the podcast. Alicia is a freelance translator and subtitler based in Glasgow, Scotland. She translates between English and Polish and from Spanish and French into Polish and English. She's passionate about inclusive communication and works mainly in the areas of audiovisual translation, culture and heritage, fashion and mental health. Anya is a freelance translator working with Polish and English based in Glasgow, Scotland. She translates for the medical and pharmaceutical industry and has recently ventured into new specialisms, which are sustainability and mental health. On top of being a translator, she is a keen forager and yogi and has recently become a certified breathwork instructor. And both Alicia and Anya are active on LinkedIn and Twitter, and we'll add their links in the show notes. Thanks for joining us today, Anya and Alicia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. It's quite exciting. Yes, we're very, very happy tuning in from the same room in Glasgow. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. We're very envious of that. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for being here. I know that when we were thinking of guests, Veronica recommended you and she talked you up quite a bit. So we're really excited that you're here. (laughs) That's so nice. (laughs) So before we dive into our topic for the episode, we'd love for you to tell our listeners and colleagues about yourselves and your businesses. So for example, you told us you're based in Glasgow. So tell us more about what you do, what services you offer when you started your career, and maybe some info on how it's evolved over time. Let's start with you, Anya. Yes, as you said, I'm I'm based in Glasgow and I've been translating for seven years or eight, eight years maybe now. And I started out as an in-house translator, actually at a translation company based in London, and it was a pharmaceutical medical company. And I actually thought that I would never get that job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was uh, I was still studying at the university, and I was doing my master's, and I had a really hard time writing my dissertation because I decided to be ambitious and write about a very difficult topic. I just applied for this job, so I thought, oh, okay, you know, I just need to start somewhere. And they replied to me and they invited me over and we had a three-hour interview. Oh. Three-hour interview. Wow. That included lunch and a drink. And they walked wow. to the train station. <laughs> <laughs> and I called my brother. I was just like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to get this job. And he said, well, you got the job. And they <laughs> called me the next day and they, and they said, oh, we just couldn't wait. We just had to hire you. <laughs> oh. So I need to say that I was quite lucky with the with the start of my career. That's cool. And what about you, Alicia? 
So yeah, thank you for this lovely introduction because you basically covered almost all the bases. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to repeat myself about the services as you very nicely talked about it, uh, but I'm just going to add that I started translating in 2017 and that was a few months before I began my master's. And actually I... I'm lying saying I started translating. It was interpreting at first, but only for a few months because I realized, yeah, I did it for a few months and I, because everyone seemed to be telling me, that's what you do. This is, you know, if you have a language, because there's a lot of Polish people in Scotland. So interpreting is a very needed career, basically. But I've realized that wasn't for me. And for a few years, I translated on a part-time basis alongside my studies, other jobs. I think at one point I had four part-time jobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I finally went full-time and started trading as Polkadot translations in March 2020. And I used to be very much a generalist and I really appreciated the three years um, I spent like that because when I finally went full-time, I had a clear vision of what areas I want to cover and, and what clients I want to pursue. That was actually nice for three years to be doing everything. Wow, very cool. It's always amazing for us to hear how people started and how their you know, work has evolved over the years. So as you know, we talk about smart habits on this podcast. And so we wanted to ask you, what are some smart habits that have been crucial in your career so far? Alicia? Mm-hmm. So I love a good spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know I'm not alone in this. But a really good habit that I, and I still continue is setting aside weekly finance checkup. And it kind of started evolving. And now I do a little bit more when I say finance checkup. But at the beginning, it was just checking all the invoices were paid and, and making sure that I think at the beginning, it wasn't checking my financial goals because I didn't have them. <laughs> and so that was a bit of a, of a bad non-habit. But yeah, having time to actually have a look at your financial situation was great. For me? Mm-hmm. That's well, a good point. It is. Yeah. I actually don't know if I have any smart habits to do that. If you can call it a smart habit, I always say that if you don't ask, you don't get, and it applies to work and personal life. And you can ask anything about anyone about anything. And the worst thing that can happen that you're just going to hear no. But there's always someone who's going to help you. There is always someone who will be willing to share the knowledge with you. So even if you don't know something about your business, especially when you're starting out, because when I went freelance to leaving um, the company I was working for, I had no single clue what I was doing. I just kind of relied on the advice of the people that I met through my in-house job. But I had to figure out everything else myself, but I also could rely on my great advice. If you don't ask, you don't guess. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it is. I love that advice. And I think that, you know, when you think about it that way, the fear of rejection becomes a lot less daunting. Speaking of habits, we wanted to ask you, what is a habit that you may have had earlier in your career that you no longer practice and why not? So I used to agree to all the jobs under all the conditions at the very beginning. And I was working late, 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 late hours. I was taking absolutely everything just to stop myself off. And I think that at the beginning, especially when you're freelancing and you need to feed yourself and pay your bills, we need to take that hit and see what's out there and learn how to negotiate and learn how to truly appreciate our value and value of our work 
now I just, I know what I can do and I know what I can't do. And I've got some boundaries in place for my own sanity, really. I value my time and quality minds over time. Again, 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 again. <laughs> uh, so I used to agree to all the jobs and all, all the conditions for the jobs and take absolutely everything and every single job that was coming my way. And I was work, working really late hours. And I think that at the beginning, especially when you're a freelancer, you need to take that hit, see what's out there and learn how to negotiate and learn to truly appreciate your value and value yourself, first of all. And now I just know what I can do and what I cannot do. Value my time and quality clients over the time wasters who only want to exploit me. So I would never, never accept a job now that is below my below my rates. My rates are my rates and I've got boundaries in place that help me keep that sanity. I like that. And it's always a good reminder to share with people. So thank you for that. What about you, Alicia? I have to say I agree with Anya. I could definitely see a bit of myself in that, but I thought I'm going to share something to do with marketing and networking since we'll be basically discussing that today. So I used to think that you have to be visible all the time, that networking happens on social media, that you have to post constantly. So I had this habit for quite a while. I had a weekly social media scheduling. And I just felt like every day I have to have at least a post on Facebook uh, and on Instagram. So I had specific days, you know, Monday was Facebook, Tuesday, Instagram, and then it goes around and around. I kind of started noticing that I was just posting for the sake of it and I wasn't adding anything to the conversation. And it was mostly, I love Canva, but it was mostly just posts. All of them looked the same, just, you know, kind of roll out on Canva, like a, a little bit like to a factory. Fair, <laughs> I, I don't trust people who post every day. Yes. And sometimes you can see how all of the content just repeats itself. And some someone noticed recently on LinkedIn, I think it might have been Jonathan Downey. Mm-hmm. He said that he's fed up with people who post how great they are and how, yeah. how well they know and what kind of expertise they have with using LinkedIn and the networking where yeah. actually they were just boring the hell out of other people. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to how I kind of changed this habit a little bit because now I try to be, I basically pick LinkedIn. I don't post every day, but I try to have the time to actually engage with people there rather than just post things about how amazing I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I would I would say that's what you are amazing though. Oh thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's also nice to appreciate other people on LinkedIn and comment under their posts. Yeah, I like I like to scroll through and see what yeah what's out there, but I'm very picky about mm-hmm. what I'm gonna read and actually yeah, and don't exactly. you find that when you do this more authentically like that and you just choose one or two platforms to do that you know in authentically that it's a lot less work than trying to come up with something every single day that's new oh absolutely absolutely yeah it's easier. I, I, yeah i basically because i still i still have facebook page because i use the scheduling tool sometimes to have instagram page i think you have to have mm-hmm. facebook so basically there's just a post i think it's been there for like half a year that says you've noticed I'm not very active here you can find me on <laughs> on my LinkedIn great way of yeah. redirecting and people. I still use Instagram but I I, I kind of use it more 
not in a very preachy way anymore, but just, you know, posting stories. Like I posted the story, well, doing something cool with Anya tonight, obviously without telling <laughs> what we're doing, recording. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's more authentic. Right. It is more authentic. And it's just, it's just easier. And you're more truthful to yourself yeah. and to the people who actually know you on the, from the other side of mm-hmm. the screen. Exactly. And they can tell, yes, this is how she behaves. Yeah. This is who she is. I love this. And I, I can definitely relate to both of your perspectives, both on, you know, being responsive and accepting jobs and also social media. I think it's really important to recognize what's important to you and what works for you personally. And that may not be what works for other people. So kudos I think to it, you. Then it helps networking as well, because if you're yourself in social media, then there's less stress about how you're going to come across when you actually meet people in person yeah they know what to expect exactly I agree yeah so we wanted to touch on another important topic and I feel like you have mentioned it when it comes to boundaries you know as you have probably heard on many of our previous episodes we believe that healthy boundaries are very important they help maintain clarity in your work and personal life so we'd love to hear what your thoughts are on maintaining healthy boundaries and whether you have specific boundaries that you set in your professional life. So let's start with you, Alicia. Oh, yes, I I really agree with, with all of what you're talking about. Actually, at the very beginning of the podcast, I said how I there was one point when I had four part time jobs. And that's exactly when I knew when I start full time, my full time is going to be four days. And I stick to it. There were times when it's been difficult, but I always have to assess my priorities because, of course, there are months when it's easy to do. It's not very busy, but there are months when you could be working day and night in the weekend. Then I kind of have to remind myself, do I want to actually do I live to make money? Do I want to enjoy my life? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So. Uh, this is this is one of the things that I, is that's really important to me, and I and I want my clients to know that I stick to these boundaries. So I have an out of office, which I think maybe you mentioned that you know, one of your guests, I think maybe mentioned in the podcast, Sarah Townsend. Sarah Townsend, yes. And I was going to say I saw your out of office as we were scheduling this interview, and I loved it. This was so good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It basically says I don't check my email, you know, every minute of the day. It says yeah. it in a nicer way, but. Uh, yeah, I kind of feel like some clients re- respond to it in a very respectful way, like, oh, thank you for letting me know. That's great. But also sometimes I do have an evening when maybe I have to do a little bit more work because I had to, I don't know, go to the to see a doctor. So, you know, half of the day was ruined. I couldn't work. But I always make sure to schedule the emails to be sent the next morning so that my clients don't know I'm actually working in the evening. That's And they don't really, they don't start thinking, oh, we can just, you know, email her in the evening and she replied. Yeah, yeah. That that is a very good idea. Yeah. I think I just want to refer to uh, your four-day week because our first meeting, when we first met in person with Alicia, I actually wanted her to give me advice on how to do a four-day week because I was fed up with working all the time. Mm, I remember it. (laughs) I'm glad to say it didn't work. (laughs) But we just we just have very different personalities, and I think it just depends on the person and what's what they need in their life. I still don't work a full time full time hours during the week, but I pick my days off. I just play it by ear and see what's going to happen today and tomorrow and the day after that, and then I can 
plan around it, but I'm much more flexible uh, with my approach to that. And that's, yeah, that, that's that. It works for you. And it works for me yeah. and it might work for some somebody else and for you. I, I mean, I love the idea of four-day week. I wish I could do that, really. Mm-hmm. So boundaries, yeah? Well, first of all, don't put more on your plate that you can eat because it's going to leave you with indigestion. Don't overwork yourself. Don't, don't, just, just don't, just have a life. Just don't live to work, work to live, live to for work. <laughs> just have, just have fun and enjoy your life because as we know, well, we only have one. So let's make the most out of it. The second one would be that my rates are my rates and I set them for a reason. And I don't like when my clients, especially agencies that are from Asia, they're, they're trying to convince me that I'm going to get a lot of work out of them and that that's why I should drop my rates for them. And I just say, you can't afford me. <laughs> that's fine. You should work with your market and I'm going to work with my market over in the UK or in Europe. And that's fine. But I try to stick to it yeah. and don't uh, negotiate too much because I value myself. And as Alicia said as well, that my time outside of work is my own time and I value that and it's sacred. And now very rarely I work on weekends. Mm-hmm. But then they, Anya and I often talk, you know, um, just as friends. So I know that if Anya works on weekends, it's because you've had a trip to the mountains or something cool or during, yeah, <laughs> something cool going on on a Friday or. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a different story. Like that's your choice. And that's, that's the compromise you're making to maybe have a day off or a trip in the middle of the week or something like that. And I mean, I'm just going to add very quickly, if someone loves working on the weekend and prefers to have a day off another day, that's amazing. As long as you know, you do it because you want to do it. I have I have a friend who works Friday, Saturday, Sunday because she wants to. Yeah. She wants to have time off during the week to do all of these things you can't do on the weekend. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. As professionals who work with less common languages and outside of the country where this language is spoken as an official language, uh, we're curious to know how do you approach networking and what does networking mean to you? Anya, what about you? I started network, to be fair, at the beginning when I went freelance, I didn't think much of it. I thought that I'm going to be a bit of a hermit and just live my own and do my own and never contact anybody. But very quickly, <laughs> life showed me that it's rather lonely and I should reach out to other people. So maybe not about networking as with going and advertising my services and meeting other people from the industry to advertise my services, but joining professional bodies and joining the networks from these official uh, bodies like ITI or CALO here in the UK. Alicia actually again but <laughs> convinced me to join ITI Polish Network and the ITI Scottish Network because she said that there were some lovely people in there and indeed there are and now I've been part of both networks for a good two years I think and most of my, my networking actually happens there so I go to all of the events uh, that they organize and actually me and Alicia are events coordinator for the Polish network so there's that yeah there you go so 
Anya and I basically met on Twitter during lockdown, and then we went for a lockdown walk. <laughs> oh, I love this. And it now was you... 12 kilometers. Do you know that? Really? <laughs> yes. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Basically, we now work together as a part of the Polish network. And also, we have a show on the community radio where we play Polish music, which, you know, it, it's not specifically networking, but. I feel like when I started, I treated networking as a business exchange, like which is completely wrong. And networking can also, you know, combat isolation because as, you know, freelancers, we can be very, as Anya said, you can be a hermit. It's fine if that's what you want. But I feel sometimes it's not by choice. And I actually realized I had this conversation with my partner the other day that I feel I speak to a lot of my friends who are not translators, work in a very different industry and they're employed. And they they tell me that they feel very lonely. They they don't know where to make friends. And I feel like I'm surrounded by people with all the different events Completely. that we go to. Okay. Um, Three months, we have something, if not two things, three things. We've got a book club. We've got a film club in mm-hmm. the Polish network. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but the thing with Polish, it's very interesting because we are not. This is not the official language in the UK, but it's actually the second most spoken spoken language after English. Yeah. So there's lots of Polish communities, which means there's lots of translation work being done. And I feel like you should never dismiss even personal contacts. You need to always tell people what you do. Like I had a situation that was during lockdown as well, when a person who I, I had worked with in the cinema, local cinema in Glasgow, she was an assistant to an, to an artist. During lockdown, uh, her housekeeper was Polish and she hired me to translate specific instructions, you know, for how to, because I feel the person, I think the person was isolating. So, right. and, and the housekeeper didn't speak English. So I had to translate the English instructions into Polish. You know, it was a one-off job, but, you know. So I was once referred, my dad is a massive angling and he's obsessed with it and he belongs to an English angling association. Anyway, someone once called me and they said, you're Matty's daughter, aren't you? It's like, yes, I am. Like, and you're a translator. Yes, I am. Could you do these guidelines and rules for me for a competition that we have in the summer? And I did, and they paid me, and they invited me to the competition, which I didn't go to because Mm -hmm. I find fishing quite boring. (laughs) But there you go. You never know. Exactly. You never know. Yeah. I like that. And you've already started to answer our next question, which is about your network. You know, working in, you know, a language where... As Veronica said, it's not the official language of where you live. We were wondering if you could share with us, as we've actually heard this question from our own listeners, how do you maintain and utilize your network, you know, whether it's through word of mouth or whether it is through something like social media? So, yeah, I feel being what Anya mentioned about being part of a a language or geographical, any kind of network is really useful. And I found that it's just nice to be nice on a human level. Mm So, for example, I had an accident in May and I just spoke to my network about it. And I felt like there were so many people who were genuinely, as soon as I was, you know, okay to return to work, they were genuinely trying to help me get, you know, new clients or refer work to me, which was very lovely after six weeks of being off. And I had another another situation recently. So I have a subtitling client who is based in Edinburgh, very close to Glasgow. And they had Christmas drinks last year. 
and I was invited, I kind of felt like, I don't know if I want to go, you know, it will be awkward. One of those things that you kind of tell yourself if you don't hang out with your clients too much. And it was lovely. We had lovely chat. I was, it, it turned out we had so much in common. And then this client worked with the University of Edinburgh and the doctor, the person who was working with, with them was organizing an event when she wanted to invite professionals to talk about ethics and ethical dilemmas in translation, which was a paid event as well. So, you know, I hired, they would hire someone to chat to people. And my client said, oh, Alicia, she's great. We went for drinks with her and you can tell that she could, you know, talk to people and and she was, um, you know, it, it would be one of those people, she would be one of those people who would uh, definitely not be shy to chat to other people. So that's how they hired me because they really didn't know, they had translators, interpreters, but they didn't have a subtitler. So, you know, just having these connections helps because you never know what comes your way. That's true. That's true. I think for me, like the most I get out of the networks is the feeling of safety and the backup that there's always someone out there that I can count on. And if, if there was anything that I wanted to know, they're going to be there. But also I've got some clients referrals from different connections and different people from Scottish network from Alice even or from our other friend as well who lives in Edinburgh. And we just we just generally help each other. Yeah. If anybody is in trouble or they need any help with any research, any questionnaires even. We're just trying to be there for one another. Yeah, and I feel it's important it's not just taking, it's giving. It's giving. And I feel like we both do it, Anya and I. We give and we take. But if you only take, that's and in the That's end, it's not going to work for you. <laughs> we all always trying to achieve our most tasers. So yeah. it's, it's the same with our bodies, same with our, with our minds. We, just yeah. need to, we need to have that balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard something just today. Somebody was saying that it being kind doesn't cost anything, but it always pays you back tenfold. And I thought that was such an interesting way to think about it, to lead with kindness in that way. And I think we're seeing that from a lot of colleagues, but I really liked the fact that, you know, people like the two of you are pointing this out and the fact that you always have somebody to count on because when you work in a field where you tend to work alone on a day-to-day basis, that's something that we we take for granted that we we might not have a lot of people around us, but we do have a network. Completely. My friend Ola is also a medical translator and some, and we both work with Polish and English. And sometimes we just text each other pictures of some doctor's handwriting. It's like, Oh my God, can you make out what it says? Because I have no idea. And then we both sit there, just think for each other what it could be and trying to figure out from the context and everything what, what the word could be and then think of the translation. Yeah. So many situations like that. That's really helpful too. So we were wondering, how do the two of you take the guesswork out of marketing your services to new and existing clients? Do you have any systems or habits or processes that you use to help you to stay organized and consistent? That's a very good question for me because I do not really market my services apart from using LinkedIn and Twitter. I have a website, but I never really got into selling myself. I never got great at that. Yes, I said I occasionally post on LinkedIn and maybe a bit more active on Twitter, but I think that what I say is more personal than markety. If someone wants to, they will find me. It just has worked for me, really. 
One thing I do is that I do stay in touch with my clients. I do have a good report with project managers that I work with and we send each other Christmas cards and stay in touch. We know what's going on in our families. We know when, not when we shouldn't bother one another and when we're busy and when we're not. And sometimes even if I have like dry spell, I can say it's like, Oh, I haven't, haven't heard from you for a long time. Maybe, you know, maybe you heard of something. Sometimes I had a situation where the PM recommended me to another company, mm. which was quite interesting. So this is my marketing. And when I was thinking about it, the biggest bit of the marketing I did at the in-house position, because I was meeting with clients, I was meeting with other translators whose work I revised as a well reviser. And I met with the project manager, said that job too from other companies and then when I started freelancing we worked together again but at a different company so I think to not be guessing every single time if what you're doing is right when it comes to marketing and networking you need to really know who you want to contact I feel I feel knowing your values and knowing what type of client you want to work with is really helpful because you're not wasting time on marketing to the wrong clients I was saying to Veronica earlier before we started recording that this is a little bit meta for me <laughs> because I actually, one of the most helpful tools, um, I learned about it from YouTube. It's Asana. And oh. I, I just love it now. I schedule, I have a few different kind of lists of tasks and one of them is clients marketing. And I, I try to follow up with people every three months, unless I really know that it's not been working for quite a while. So I kind of stop. But even clients that I work with regularly, if maybe I've not had the, uh, I've not worked with them for a while, I try to every three months have a little reminder there, even to tell them about different training I've been doing. Or, you know, I realized that some of my clients didn't know that I did subtitles and now these clients with whom I've been working on translation now send me subtitling projects as well. That's a, one of the tools that I use. But also I got into the habit of emailing before my holiday and when I return, just to remind people that I'm available for work. And most of the time it really works because you kind of get in there, <laughs> not not with all the clients, but there will be someone who will have a project for you. And I also try to, well, I don't try to, I do it. I send cards to my clients for New Year's and also to people that, you know, they've been on my radar. I've been kind of emailing them and applying for work. And it's actually worked because people love getting cards. <laughs> when I was in Poland and Warsaw, I bought really beautiful cards from Warsaw and I send them off to, to my clients. And some of them have been putting that on Instagram and LinkedIn and I feel like it's just a nice, even if I'm not going to get any work out of it, they remember me as the nice person who sent the card. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, I love those tips. That's really great. And I think I saw a photo you posted of the cards, maybe on Twitter. It was really cool. So finally, we wanted to ask if you have any advice to other colleagues who may be feeling a little intimidated by the thought of reaching out to people to make a connection or offer their services. So do you have any advice on how to make networking and marketing feel less scary or maybe any other tips on how to build and maximize your network? I think we said already that mostly being yourself, mm -hmm. being authentic to who you are, yeah, I also, when I started, I felt like I didn't treat myself like a business person because mm -hmm. I felt like business people are boring. 
<laughs> and I like to go out with friends on the weekend. And I'm not a very serious person. I have a great sense of humor. I mean, everyone thinks that about themselves. <laughs> but, you know, I just felt like I can't possibly be, you know, marketing to people because I am I am not boring. <laughs> as if, you know, having a business meant that you're boring. So I feel like as soon as I realized that, hmm, actually there's, I can see all these other translators out there and they all seem to be, obviously not all, but loads of them seem to be really interesting and fun. I can also do this. So I feel as soon as you realize that you don't have to be like a business robot to pitch yeah. to people. I thought at the beginning, I wanted to have some professional photos taken. So I need to look professional on my LinkedIn, you know, just, and uh, the photographer actually came, she's my friend, she came to my home and she said, I don't like you in that dress, you don't look yourself. Mm-hmm. And that said everything. <laughs> yeah. And then I changed into my dungarees and an orange top and I sat on the floor like flicking my pen and that was the best picture I've had. Mm-hmm. I love that picture. I love that picture. I mean, I was much younger, by, so I had to change it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, do, I do love it. Yeah, I also would like to say that I feel because it can be intimidating. There's so many people offering advice like you need to contact 100 people every day on LinkedIn. And, you know, that's never worked for me because I feel you also end up spending so much time on pitching. You're like a machine that I would start small and just put a lot of time or a little bit of time every day into actually finding those people that you really want to work with and not just messaging every single agency or every single client. And also, if you go to a networking event and you feel a bit intimidated, maybe try and speak to someone who seems like you would have something in common. I went to this event in November in the Parliament in London, which was really exciting because I took part in this an organization for small businesses in the UK. They basically chose 100 businesses that they were going to promote and they picked me. I had to apply, (laughs) but they picked me. And I was a bit scared of going. And I went there and there was this woman who had this beautiful flamingo dress and I absolutely loved it. And we started chatting and it turned out she's um, uh, she helps people self-publish. And I'm actually now trying to pitch a cookbook for translation. So, you know, we started chatting. Yeah. And it was it's such a great connection to have on a personal level because she seemed really lovely. We had so much to talk about. But also, you know, you never know, maybe some maybe she'll help me with with my pitch. As well, I just wanted to add to the thing you said about LinkedIn that start small and find people we actually want to talk to. I think that a good way of connecting of connecting with people is also commenting on the posts and getting that personal touch, and then you can follow up in a message. Exactly, and they might notice that you commented on the post first. That's a good idea. Yeah, I like that. I really like that you you two are talking about authentic marketing and networking. I think that that's key. We've often talked here about a little bit of time every day, but done strategically and done authentically is really the best way to go. So we really appreciate that you said that as well. Finally, we wanted to ask you both something that we're kind of curious about with our guests this year. And I think this question originally came from one of our listeners, but we liked it so much that we keep asking it to our different guests this year. And that is, if there were a piece of advice that you could have given to your past self, what would it be? Let go of any expectations that you might have. They mostly bring you disappointment. <laughs> Just learn how to accept what it is, what it is and do the best you can with what you've got. I think I'll give that advice yeah, to myself and to many other people. Mm-hmm. 
I have three pieces of advice, everyone. (laughs) They're kind of connected in a way. So one of them is don't try to be everywhere at once. You have to stay focused and know your values because that will also help you with your networking and marketing. Second piece of advice, you need to know your limits. Can't just run after the next shiny thing if you're still working on on something else or on, on another project. When I was, you know, spending all my time on, oh, I'm going to do to have a blog and then I'm also going to have a newsletter and I just lost myself. And the third one is don't think that running a professional business means you can't be a fun person. <laughs> you can still be very professional and have fun on the weekend. Well, thank you both for this great conversation. We really loved hearing about your experiences, building and maximizing your networks. And I really think that this episode is going to help a lot of people to think differently about how they approach their networks going forward. And before we wrap up, we actually wanted to ask you if you would join us for a special segment, which we call Guest Favorites. This is where we give you the chance to share something that you really enjoy, like a book, resource, or gadget that you want to share with our listeners. So I have recently trained to be a breathwork instructor, and I am absolutely, completely obsessed with it. I started doing breathwork in 2020 during the pandemic, and it really helped me through it. I had a group of people doing network, uh, do, 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 doing breathwork every morning on Facebook for 10 minutes, and then it just it just hit me. It helps you relax. It helps you balance your body, balance your nervous system, balance your hormonal system, balance both of your brain hemispheres. It works wonders to the chemistry, with the chemistry of your body. It's great. And there are very simple exercises that you can use. And there's plenty of advice on how to do them. You can just type on YouTube breathwork exercises to calm down. And you can come across things like coherent breathing, which is one of my favorite ones these days, because it really helps you relax and just refocus uh, your mind before taking another task on. I just want to say, in case Anya doesn't mention it, because yes. Anya now has an Instagram page. I do have it. For her breath work. So I feel that we should probably, you know, include it in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we will. It's a very new adventure to me. I actually had my first breathwork session that I held for a group of five people in a local wellbeing center. It was very exciting. Yeah, that was today, wasn't it? It was today. Yeah, Yeah. we'll share that. And what about you, Alicia? I wanted to recommend a book. It's helped me both professionally and personally. Although it's funny because my partner bought it for me and then he hated because he hated it because I kept being like, we need to do this at that time. <laughs> it's called The Power of When by I hope I pronounce the surname right, Michael Bruce. And basically he he's I think he's known as the sleep doctor. And he talks a lot about how there's four different kind of types of people, not just to, you know, the night owl and the morning is a morning bird. And yeah, there's actually apparently four chronotypes, it's called. And it depends which one you are. Basically, there's different things. At different times, you're, you'll be more active and you'll be more, for example, will be better for you to do deep work at specific times or to exercise at specific times. And I know it sounds a bit, hmm, I wasn't very sure at first, but it really, really works. I'm a typical bear, <laughs> like half of the population. <laughs> And as soon as I started applying what he was mentioning in his book and kind of scheduling my day, at least some of the things he talks about, according to the bear schedule, I feel like my concentration has uh, has been way better. 
And I feel like I'm happier. I even started eating meals, like bigger meal in the middle of the day rather than the evening. And it's really, really helped me even just with feeling better and full for longer. <laughs> Which is quite funny because we used to do that at kids, last kids. Yeah, from Poland. Poland. Yeah. So the power of when I recommend it. <laughs> Perfect. I'll look it up. Thank you. Great tips. And thanks again for joining us today, Anya and Alicia. This has been so much fun. I really found myself wishing we all recorded from the same location because we kind of wanted to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I hope fun. we can meet in person someday. But before we go, where can our colleagues learn more about you and find you online? LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. We've got a profile for our Polish radio show. If someone wanted to listen to that, we speak English during the program. We just play Polish music. Yeah, I just thought it would be because um, I'm also active on LinkedIn and, and Twitter and Instagram, but um, I set up a, a Linktree page, which basically has all of the all of those links, including the show that we mentioned, the Polish show. I think it's probably easiest if we include that in the notes uh, and then you have all the links from, yes. from us. Yeah. Yeah, we'll add those to the show notes. And that's a wrap. As always, in a couple of days, our email subscribers will get a summary of the episode with all the links to the resources we mentioned today. And if you like this episode, we would love it if you'd share it with your colleagues and friends. And if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This only takes a minute and we've recorded a quick video tutorial to show you how to do it. You'll find a link to that too in our show notes. Talk to you soon.